going on, family? TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. And welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. It's your man, GB Gerard Bonner. Hope you are doing well. Hope you've had a fantastic week. And listen, cheers to the weekend. That's right. The weekend is finally here. And uh, 2020 has been crazy. The month of July has been very, very interesting. So now that we're at the midpoint of July, I hope you'll plan to do something fun. It is still summer. So if you're going to take a vacation, do it safely. But I think we still need these kinds of things. A lot of people are still following quarantine. Others haven't necessarily been safe, but are being forced back into quarantine. So listen, whatever you decide to do, be safe, be healthy, and be refreshed, all right? And perhaps this podcast can do that for you. Gotta say a big thank you to everyone who has joined us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at The Faction Show. And of course, if you're subscribed to our podcast, thank you so very much. We really, really appreciate it. If you're not, click the subscribe button. And if you are, do us a favor, leave us a comment, rate the podcast on the preferred podcast platform of your choice it allows others to check out what we're doing and uh in fact allows them to even participate as well so definitely do that so there's a lot to get into and i'm going to try to cover as much as i can in the few minutes that i have first and foremost i want to offer a big congratulations to both bianca belair and Shayna baszler both of whom returned to wwe television this past monday night on monday night raw I've been missing them. My understanding is that they've been on main event, which I didn't know WWE still did the main event show. But yeah, who watches that? In the words of Keith Sweat, nobody. So welcome back, Bianca Belair. Welcome back, Shayna Baszler. Both of them looked amazing in their returns to Monday Night Raw. And of course, WWE is gearing up for a big weekend. In fact, it's a very big weekend in the world of pro wrestling. I'm going to tell you about that in a second. But before I do that, got to get to the Wednesday Night Wars. Of course, NXT versus AEW. NXT is on a three-week winning streak Two of those weeks, of course, being the Great American Bash versus Fighter Fest. Well, this week, it was the first week of Keith Lee as champ champ, being both the NXT North American champion and the NXT champion. His first week as champ against AEW's Fight for the Fallen, which features a world title match between Jon Moxley and Brian Cage. Well, congratulations to AEW Dynamite who for the first time in a month topped NXT Dynamite, went up 10% from last week, bringing in 788,000 viewers. They came in number five in the uh, top 150 original cable telecasts, of course, amongst that 18 to 49 demographic. I'll talk about that in a second. NXT went down 17% from 759,000 viewers last week to 631,000 viewers. And in this demo of 18 to 49, they came in at number 49. So this becomes significant for a couple of reasons. It's the first time, for one, that AEW has been so vocal about ratings. Everything from Tony Khan on Twitter talking about the fact that that AEW for the last few weeks have consistently won that important 18 to 49 demographic as opposed to the overall ratings. NXT really hasn't said a whole lot about it. 
but they even took it to TV, they being AEW, with Chris Jericho cutting quite the promo this week about what they've done uh, in the demo of 18 to 49. He's called himself the Demo God, and there's even a t-shirt behind it. Now, I'll just say this, AEW certainly had a great, great show, and let's just be honest, they've had some really, really good shows since they've gone back to somewhat being live. If you'll notice, they are live every other week, kind of the old formula of Monday Night Raw. Meanwhile, NXT is not live at all these days. Matter of fact, hardly any WWE programming is live these days because of the pandemic and the like. But I will say this, taking the time to acknowledge the ratings and the demographics, I don't know that that's a good move, AEW. I think what you do is what WWE has taught us over the last 25 years is you stay the course. You keep plowing away and you don't necessarily acknowledge a ratings war. You just keep putting on great content and people will follow. And speaking of great content, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the main event between Brian Cage and John Moxley. Now, I'll throw my two cents into the hat and say this. I do think it was too early for Brian Cage to get a world title shot. It's been delayed for about two to three weeks. Now that we get it, I was thinking to myself, how does this happen in a way where both Moxley and Cage are somewhat protected in terms of their reputation? It was a bad look to me for Brian Cage to uh, not just tap out because he didn't tap out, but to have the towel thrown in for him by Taz. Taz, of course, has been the one making all of this huge talk about how it's impossible to beat the machine, Brian Cage, and then he throws the towel in. I don't know that that's necessarily a good move. And then this leads to, of all things, a new program between Brian Cage and Darby Allen. Historically, it's never really a good thing for the first major match for uh, a superstar is a championship match. It just doesn't bode well. Uh, there are only a handful of people who have come into a promotion, gotten a title match within the first month, won the world title, and became the man. One of those being Hulk Hogan, right? Uh, I also remember Carlito winning the U.S. title from John Cena in his first night. But then when I look at other debuts like Scott Steiner in the WWE getting a championship match within the first month um, and several others who could fall on that, uh, it hasn't boded well for them. So I hope that for Brian Cage, things can kind of turn around. Um, but I don't necessarily like the trajectory of this. Not that they ever asked me, but I think it just takes someone like Cage who came in in such a big way and kind of uh, demystifies him for sure. Speaking of Brian Cage, Brian Cage, of course, came to a lot of our attentions in Lucha Underground. And uh, while Lucha Underground at this point is defunct, their influence remains. Of course, you see guys like Brian Cage. You see the Lucha Brothers. Um, you know, you see Ricochet. All of them, of course, were a big part of uh, Lucha Underground. That also includes guys like Willie Mack, um, Killswitch, who is Shane Strickland, who is Isaiah Swerve Scott. So a lot of impact from Lucha. Uh, Lucha, haha, <laughs> see what I did there? Impact from Lucha. Be that as it may, the impact to Lucha showed up this week on NXT. Have you noticed how they've been shooting some of their vignettes? 
the situation that happened with El Legado de Fantasma, which of course is Santos Escobar and his faction, it was shot in a very Lucha Underground cinematic type of way. And I thought that was kind of brilliant. I think it's always good to be able to infuse elements of promotions that have worked, you know. Um, and so I, I shout out NXT for that and the way that they've done that. And uh, I'm intrigued to see more of it because this isn't the first time they've done it. I think it's the first time it really jumped out at me that, yo, this feels like Lucha Underground pretty dope to say the least so with that said it's going to be a huge weekend in the world of pro wrestling and i hope you're making plans to participate in one way or another it's going to kick off this saturday with impact wrestling's latest pay-per-view it's slam aversary uh where they are celebrating i believe 17 or maybe even 19 years i gotta double check that but here's the thing which is pretty intriguing about this they have a card which i'll talk about but many may not understand the importance of what happened this past wednesday july 15th was not just tax day here in the united states but it was uh you could call it emancipation day perhaps for a large list of wwe or former wwe superstars who were released during the pandemic sweep uh if you remember during the pandemic a large number of wwe talent were released and as part of that release they could not compete anywhere else in a 90-day period well that 90-day period ended on wednesday and uh it didn't take long for some people to show up as mj jenkins formerly of nxt who was also part of the may young classic found her way on aew dynamite this past Wednesday night, so shout out to her. And uh, with that said, there are rumors that we could see some former WWE talent show up at Impact Wrestling this week. Let me tell you what the rumor mill is talking about. So there are two spots on the card that are open for a mystery opponent. And let me first say this, congratulations to Deanna Perrazzo, who was a former member of NXT, who's made her way over to Impact. And uh, her situation was a little bit different, but she got there very, very fast. And so she's getting a shot at the Impact Knockouts Championship against Jordan Grace on uh, Slammiversary this weekend. But one interesting thing that I was going to mention was this. That is uh, two empty spots on that card that we think are going to be filled by former WWE talent. The Open Challenge is a tag match that will see the Rascals against a team to be added, which many of us think are the Good Brothers, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Uh, many thought that they'd be in Japan, and perhaps they would be if we were not in the middle of a pandemic that has caused travel bans and the like. So uh, perhaps we'll see them on Impact this weekend. And then there is an Impact World Championship match. Of course, that title is vacant. It was vacated by the release of Tessa Blanchard. It features Eddie Edwards versus Trey versus Ace Austin versus a mystery opponent. And many are thinking that mystery opponent will be EC3. Remember, EC3, who was once part of NXT, returned to NXT, got onto the SmackDown roster, uh, and never really uh, made any waves in WWE, but it was in Impact that he really became EC3, became a very, very big deal. He could show up again this weekend 
It's very possible. So you want to check out the Impact Slammiversary card happening this Saturday on pay-per-view. That'll be followed this Sunday by WWE's latest pay-per-view, which is the horror show at Extreme Rules, which features two matches that has a lot of people talking. One of them being the Wyatt Swamp match for the Universal Championship, Bray Wyatt against Braun Strowman. Uh, definitely that's going to be a cinematic match. Then a lot of people are talking about this eye for an eye match, which it was made very clear this past Monday night that the way to win is to take your opponent's eye out. It's weird. This is like a train wreck that I don't want to see, but I feel like I have to see. And so I'll probably be watching for that alone, although I have no desire to see either of their eyes plucked out. And my next question is this. So if Rey Mysterio's eye gets plucked out, does he return to wrestling? Is he done? Is he blind? Does anybody know the process of surgically uh, reattaching one's eye to its eye socket, right? I would imagine you can't really wrestle again because your vision would be off. Well, what about Seth Rollins? Could Seth Rollins lose his eye? And if he does, what does that do? Let me just say this. Um, you cannot have somebody return to the ring immediately after you've lost your eye. I think about the debacle from Money in the Bank when Rey Mysterio was thrown off the top of the building and then showed up on Monday Night Raw the next night ready to wrestle with no injuries. Like, that's problematic. And so I would imagine that if you're getting your eye plucked out, you're not going to be on WWE television for the foreseeable future if ever. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, understanding that what we've heard about some contract issues with Rey Mysterio, et cetera, et cetera, that this could be his swan song, which I think is a horrible way to go if that's how it's going to go. As for Seth, uh, it could be Seth's excuse to be able to take some time away. Of course, uh, Becky Lynch, who we haven't talked about uh, since Money in the Bank, strangely enough, is pregnant. And so maybe he'll take some time off to spend with her. I don't know. I'm pontificating at this point. One thing's for sure, this is apparently what WWE feels that they need to do to get us to watch the horror show at Extreme Rules. Will it work? We'll find out. Last but not least, this coming Monday, New Japan Pro Wrestling is back at it. So we've got a three-day span. Uh, Saturday Impact. Sunday WWE Monday it's New Japan Road uh, and the main event of New Japan Road is going to be a six-man tag match that sees members of LIJ that would be Hiromu Takahashi Bushi and the former double champion Tetsuya Naito take on the Bullet Club Taiji Ishimori Dick Togo and the new champion or double champion, Evil. Dick Togo will be wrestling in a New Japan ring for the first time in three years. And this should be an incredible, incredible time uh, as New Japan makes its return to Cork and Hall, a very, very popular place for New Japan. And uh, it'll be with a limited crowd uh, as they have been doing, but uh, incredible. So. Pro wrestling fans, of which you all are, three big shows this weekend for you to check out. Impact Wrestling's pay-per-view, WWE's pay-per-view, and New Japan's New Japan Road. So what will you be watching? Let us know by way of social media, at The Faction Show, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We've got some great content coming for you next week. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but I promise you, we're working on a show that you're not going to want to miss, a discussion to be had it's going down here next 
week. So with that said, we're going to get on out of here. I hope you have an amazing weekend. Do something fun. Love on your family. Love on the people in your world. And make sure you're joining us here next time for The Faction. Representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and John Murray. I am GB Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. <laughs>